Thank you for listening to the Giving Light Podcast. We are a family church and world outreach center. Our heart is to empower you to walk in true freedom and equip you to impact your world. Please visit our website at givinglight.org to learn more about us and our many resources, including original music by Brave Music, e-courses for leaders, tools for raising powerful kids, and more. If you would like to support Giving Light financially, visit our Give Online page to choose the best giving method for you. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy this message. So today, um, I'm going to share with you my favorite scripture. Uh, How many of you have a lot of favorite scriptures? I have a lot of favorite scriptures, but this one right now is my current favorite, and it is Matthew 6, 19 through 21. I do want to say before I read this, um, I don't have the scriptures up there because I'm going to do a lot of paraphrasing today. But if you have your Bibles, if you happen to still carry those paper books around, um, or if you have an app on your phone, uh, you can whip those out today. If you don't have an app on your phone and you would like one, um, Bible Hub is a great one. Bible Gateway is another one. You can um, get them. They're free. They're real easy to use. So, okay, my favorite scripture right now is Matthew 6, 19 through 21. Or if you're taking notes, you can jot down the references and look them up later. It says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. How many of you have ever had a critter destroy something in your house? There was a day that Danielle and I were cleaning, and I discovered mice in my cupboard, and I went furious because they ate. Not, it wasn't candy that they ate. They ate the plastic lids off of my glass Pyrex dishes, and I was furious. How dare they? So we all know what it's like that something that we value, maybe Pyrex bowls is not important to you, but something that you value has been destroyed from some reason right? And maybe you've had somebody steal from you. Maybe that's been your experience. I had somebody just smash my car window and they didn't even take anything. So people do weird things, right? But we've all had that experience where we, something that matters to us on this earth got taken from us in some way, right? But guess what? Did you move on? Yeah, because stuff, even though it matters to us for a little while, it's just stuff, right? We can replace things, right? But this scripture is reminding us not to lay up treasures on earth, but to store up treasures in heaven um, where they can't be stolen. They can't be taken away. They can't be destroyed. So um, in the last couple, I'd say probably a couple of years, um, but even mostly in this last year, my um, perspective has just shifted so much from um, the temporary, the things that matter here and now, because um, they do, they matter here and now, because guess what? We're here and now. <laughs> um, but they only matter temporarily. They only matter for a little while. So my perspective has gotten so much more in tune to the eternal, to the things that are going to matter forever. So I'm going to talk about those things today um, because they're going to matter forever. Now, guess what? This life, I just want to make this clear, I'm not looking to leave this life anytime soon. I look forward to the day I get to see Jesus face to face. I do. But I'm not looking to like, you know, see him today, right? Unless he comes and then, you know, go for it. But this life right now, the one that you're living, the one, pinch yourself, 
not hard. You've got skin on, right? This life that you're living now is a gift from God. You, if you're here on the planet, your life is not a mistake. You are here for a purpose, with a purpose, on purpose. And maybe some of you have been told that your life um, was an accident, that you were never supposed to be here. And I think sometimes we've heard that lie, and we go our whole life believing that there's not a place for us here. And guess what that is? It is a lie. Say, that is a lie. Say, my life has purpose. My life is a gift. So if you have lived that, um, that lie, believing that there's not a place for you because you were never supposed to be here, I just want to speak that over you today, that that is a lie. There is a purpose for you here on this earth. You are a gift. God doesn't make mistakes. Do you believe that? Okay, so if you're here, you are not a mistake. And guess what? You're not just here to like just bide time until you die. That's also not true. You actually have something good to give. You are a gift and you have a gift. You have something good to give to this world. Say, I have something good to give. All right, and today we're going to do something a little bit different. After the service, um, we are going to turn, we're going to say goodbye to our online audience, and we're going to um, ask the people in this room, I'm going to ask you what it is that you're good at, or just what you can do, okay? Now, you don't have to be, this is not, I'm not looking for um, Oscar winners, Grammy winners, Nobel Peace Prize winners. I'm not looking for these big extravagant things. I just want to know like what it is that you're good at. Okay? So today while I'm speaking, you're going to have to multitask. Okay? So you're going to firstly listen to what I'm saying. I know this is going to be easier for some of you and harder for others. Listen to what I'm saying, but also kind of just think or just say, Holy Spirit, what am I good at? Some of you, this will be really easy. Some of you, it'll be harder. And we're just going to like, just quickly, I'm going to set a timer. It's not going to go all day. Um, We're just going to quickly yell out what we're good at because you are a gift and you have a gift. You have something to contribute to this world. And I'm not not just saying that for everyone else's benefit. I'm saying that for your benefit because you were designed with something important to give that this world needs. And it's going to bring you joy and it's going to bring you fulfillment. So, all right. You got it? You got your multitasking task? Okay. All right. Oh, just one. (laughs) How many? Detail people. It's really simple. It's just one thing is fine. Yeah, maybe some of you are like, I got a long list. I am awesome. (laughs) So just, just the one. All right. So we were created to be givers and not takers. And you can do that when you have that eternal perspective. So when our eyes are on on him, on the eternal, the things that are never going to fade away, the treasures that are never going to get destroyed, we can actually think, oh, I can give because I will always be provided for. We're connected to a source that never runs dry, right? He's always going to pour back into you because when we have a temporary perspective, we'll be afraid to give what we have because we're, we're keeping it for ourselves because we're protecting this life. But guess what? This life is only temporary. Does it matter? Yes, because we're living it right now. But it's only going to matter for a little while. 100 years at, at best. <laughs> or 100 and, we'll say 110 years at best, right? 
Eternity is forever. So when we have that eternity in our hearts, in our minds, guess what? We'll be able to give freely and not be afraid that we're going to be in lack because we know that we're connected to him. He will always provide for us, not only in eternity, but right now. He'll provide for us on this earth. So we don't want to spend so much time worried about what's happening in the world and fearing the future and forget that we were born for exactly this time in history and we were equipped not just to live, not just to survive, but to actually thrive and to lead people into the kingdom of God. So I know there's a lot going on. We're going to get into this a little bit more. There's a lot going on in the world, right? But when you lift your eyes to him, your perspective goes beyond what you see in the natural. And it's going to connect to that eternal purpose. And you're going to be able to not fear what's happening today, but actually be a part of what God is doing on the earth. You're going to be part of bringing heaven to earth right now. So um, scriptures uh, in Song of Solomon 2 um, again, you can just jot this down. It just it talks about um, the little foxes that spoil the vine. The Bible uses a lot of metaphors, right? If you are a gardener, you've probably tried to grow something and some little critter stole it away, right? You've had that experience, yes. So this scripture says that um, it says, catch the little foxes that spoil the vine. Now, in, in John 15, Jesus says, I am the vine, So I'm going to take those two scriptures together because we can spend our whole life chasing the little foxes, the little things that come and try to distract us, that try to make us afraid, that try to get our attention. We can can spend our whole life chasing those and it'll actually spoil our connection with the vine, right? Which is Jesus. So we don't want to spend our whole life chasing the temporary thing, those little foxes, things like politics, things like our comfort, things like um, our stuff, our reputation, our position, our right to be right. This is a big one. Who likes to be right? I like to be right, right? But we'll like cling to that. We spend so much time and so much of our energy and attention fighting for our right to be right or all these other things that matter. Say they matter, but they're temporary. They're only going to matter for a little while. And if we aren't mindful of all of those little things, those little foxes, it'll spoil our connection with him. And guys, there is nothing in this world that is worth that. There is nothing in this world that is worth spoiling your connection to him. He is always going to be the only thing that matters. He matters first and most all the time. So when you live with eternity in your heart, you're living with him in mind. And I love this illustration, this example that Bill Johnson uses. And he um, shares the scripture. So... There's a scripture when Jesus was here on earth and Jesus was getting baptized in water. And so John the Baptist baptizes Jesus and the Bible says that the heavens opened and that the Holy Spirit descended like a dove and it said he stayed there. So the Holy Spirit came like a dove and stayed on Jesus. Now this was not a physical dove, an actual bird, right? But it was a, uh, that's the metaphor that the Bible uses. Now, bird, uh, doves in the natural are very skittish birds. They're easily, they're easily um, frightened is not a good word, but they'll, they, they'll scatter off quickly if they get afraid, right? Or if, if something bothers them. 
So um, in this example that Bill Johnson gives, it talks about the Holy Spirit as a dove. Now, the Holy Spirit is inside of you. If you have said yes to Jesus, he has come and he has filled you with his spirit and it's not going anywhere. So I want to make that clear. That, that Holy Spirit that's inside of you is not going to just fly off if you do something wrong or if, if you make a wrong move. That, I want to make that really clear. But how many of you have ever felt the tangible presence of the Holy Spirit come upon you? Sometimes um, you just feel it. It's weighty. It's heavy. It's on you. That is the Holy Spirit, the presence of the Holy Spirit upon him, like, like Jesus already had the Spirit inside of him, right? But the Holy Spirit descended like a dove on his shoulder or upon him. So that is the same presence, that Holy Spirit presence that, can, that comes and lives upon us. But guess what? That spirit has to be respected. We have to value that presence. The, there's a scripture in Ephesians. Um, it, just, it says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. So that means that we can grieve him, Right? Now, I'm not saying if you grieve the Holy Spirit that he'll never come back. I'm not, this, this is not who God is. But what I'm saying is there is a weighty presence of the Holy Spirit that will come upon us. And we, it is our job to care that he's here and not disrespect it and not just do whatever we feel because we feel it. Because when that happens, he is the most important thing. So that means that whatever we do all of a sudden becomes with him in mind. So if there were a literal dove on my shoulder, that would be interesting, huh? But if there were a literal dove on my shoulder and I didn't want it to fly away, guess what? I'd be very mindful of my actions. I'd be very mindful of my volume. I'd be very mindful of my steps, my movements, right? So the same way, the presence of the Holy Spirit, when he is upon us, that means Everything that we do is with him in mind. Everything that we say is with him in mind. And that means that the things of the temporary, those things that would want to steal our attention and cause us to have that knee-jerk reaction, they bow down, they submit to what is most important, which is his presence. Because it matters more. It matters most. Now, I didn't say that the other things don't matter. I say he matters more. He takes precedence. So we want to live with him in mind. Every movement that we're making, everything. Guess what, guys? I love your convictions. I love what you're passionate about. I have things that I am passionate about. But guess what? If those things are costing you the weight of his presence, they're not worth it. Our convictions, the convictions that he gives us, the passions that he gives us, they have to stay submitted to him. Otherwise, it's costing us dearly and it's not worth it. So it has to stay, he has to stay the first and the most. So I love that example because of the dove, we can kind of put a picture to it. Everything that we're doing becomes with him in mind. And I don't know if you were here last week, but I felt the jealousy of the Lord. Did you know that God is a jealous God? Do you know the song, How He Loves Us? Oh, how he loves us. It starts out, he is jealous for me. He is a jealous God in that he wants our attention. He doesn't force it on us. He always gives us the choice, but he loves us so much that he wants our attention. He's jealous over us. And so I was really feeling that strongly last week in the room. And it was just, again, a reminder. I've been living more and more of this is all the things of the temporary. 
when we put it in perspective with him, they matter, but they only matter for a little while. They don't matter nearly as much as he does, nearly as much as his presence. So it's just remembering. And you know, guys, a a really like, I don't know, it's just been my whole life. You know, you ever have something that you see that just means something deeper to you? So when I look at the sky, the sky is, is my, I love the sky. So if you see me post pictures and things, I love the sky. And why? Because the sky to me has always been, I can always look up and it's always there, right? No matter, like it's always going to be there. If you go outside and you don't see the sky, I don't, I don't know where you are. Like it, it's impossible, right? Okay. And so you, the sky is always there, but it's also a reminder to me that the world is not just what I see. The sky is everywhere. The, the sky is the whole, covers the whole world, right? So it's a perspective reminder for me that when I get so wrapped up, because I have told you, I've been honest, that I've lived through a lot of anxiety, right? So when things get big for me in my little world, I look up at the sky and it reminds me, oh, okay, I'm feeling what I'm feeling, but it's just a little bit in the the grandeur of who he is. He is so much greater. So it's just that thing that I look at and say, okay, when I see the sky, everything else comes into perspective. The little things become little again, and the big thing becomes big again. All right, are you getting anything today? All right. So um, I want to go on to some scriptures. So I want to read this scripture to you, and I want to tell you if any of this sounds familiar. This is Matthew 24, Um, And I'm just going to read chunks of this um, section here. So I'm going to start in verses 6 and 7. It says, You will hear wars nearby and revolutions on every side, with more rumors of wars to come. Don't panic or give in to your fears, for the breaking apart of the world system is destined to happen. But it won't yet be the end. It will still be unfolding. Listen, nations will go to war against each other and kingdoms against kingdoms, and there will be terrible earthquakes and seismic events of epic proportion, horrible epidemics and famines in place after place. Does any of that ring a bell? Okay. All right. Verses 10 and 12 says, and then many will be offended, will betray one another, sound familiar, will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because of the lawlessness that, that abounds, the love of many will grow cold. In another translation, it says, those whose hearts once burned with passion for God and others will grow cold. Now, I always read this scripture as um, so many people were sinning in the world that it caused their heart to grow cold. But as I was reading this, Um, I kind of had a different perspective on it. I'm not saying this is the Lord's perspective. I'm saying it's mine. But as I was reading, it says lawlessness or iniquity or sin abounds and their hearts grew cold. And I thought, is it always that we're participating in the sin and that causes our heart to grow cold? Or is it that our attention is on what's going on around us and that causes our heart to grow cold because everything that's going on around us, those little foxes, become bigger. They become priority. They become what we're focusing on more than him. Just that in itself can cause our heart to grow cold. And that is heartbreaking. I do not want my heart to grow cold. So that means any time that I'm getting so distracted by what's going on in the world around me, guys, guess what? I love you. And if you are convicted to like 
pour into politics right now. I respect your convictions as long as it's not leading you to sin. But my personal conviction right now is that stuff takes my, my focus off of him. And I just can't. That's not worth it to me. Because he has to stay first. If everything else around is taking my attention, it's giving my heart an opportunity to grow cold and it's not worth it to me. I also love that it points out offense. Uh, it points out offense because guess what? We have a lot of divisions within relationships, within people, right? And it's really easy to say, I'm right, you're an idiot, right? Yes, if you've not said it, maybe you've thought it, different words, whatever. It's really easy because what matters to us matters to us. And we want to fight for that, right? Every time I say the word idiot in church, people are like, oh my gosh. Maybe you guys' thoughts are way holier than mine. I don't know. <laughs> because they relate. <laughs> so the Bible says we can become offended because of what other people are doing. And that right there opens the door for our heart to grow cold because we're more focused on correcting their theology, their politics, their mindsets than we are on him. What if instead we just loved him and because of that, we can love our neighbors, whether they agree with us or not? Just a thought, as Papa would say. <laughs> so instead, we can give it to him. Practice gratitude. This is a big one. If you are having a hard time um, connecting or loving another person because of their differences, just start being grateful. Find something about them that you're grateful for. Just find something. Thank you, God, they don't smell bad. Start small, right? But when you practice gratitude about another person, it's going to help you to love them. You might not be their best friend, but it's going to help you to, to love them. So, all right, Matthew 24, it keeps going. In verses 13 and 14, it says, but keep your hope. So this is right after it said there will be wars and rumors of wars. People's hearts will be, uh, grow cold because of, of all the iniquity that's abounding. Okay, this is right after that. It says, but keep your hope to the end, and you will experience life and deliverance. Yet through it all, say yet through it all, this joyful assurance of the realm of heaven's kingdom will be proclaimed over all the world, providing every nation with a demonstration of the reality of God. Guess what? God is still moving in this world. He never, ever stopped. Just because we got distracted or we see all the other things that are going on around doesn't mean he has ever stopped moving on this earth. So that's where I want my attention to be because those are the things that are going to matter forever. All this other stuff matters, but it's only temporary. The, what he's doing on the earth is what's going to matter forever. So we can't let the temporary distract us from the eternal. Okay, skipping, skipping. All right, why can I say that? Now, I just want to be clear because some of you are like, but all this stuff is going on and it does matter. And it does. You're correct. It does matter. Now, Jesus, he lived, guess what? He was 100% man and 100% God. And sometimes we think he was probably like 92% man and then 8% God. Like, we don't give him the credit of actually being 100% man. He felt everything that we feel. He felt every temptation. He felt the pain. He felt all of it. He felt the betrayal. He felt the hatred. They killed him. 
He felt all of that. He felt all the emotions. But guess what? Where, was his, uh, where were his eyes? Not on the temporary. He felt the temporary. That's why when his friend Lazarus died, he cried because it mattered. Say it mattered. Even though he knew that he was going to live because he was connected to the eternal, he still felt it because he was a man. So it still matters. But when you're connected to him, though it matters, he matters more because you see the eternal perspective. That's why when there was a whole army of people and they were hungry, Jesus was like, guess what? They're hungry. This matters. Now you're like, oh my gosh, the glory of God. What does it matter if you're hungry? Well, it mattered to Jesus that they were hungry. So when you have a physical need, when you have a physical feeling, guess what? It matters. It matters to God. But what did he do? He fed him. He's like, bring me what you have. We're going to take care of this because this matters. So that he could keep teaching them about the things of God, right? So I just wanted to just be really clear. Things matter. But when you look at him, you're going to get that perspective shift of how much they matter and how much he actually wants to provide for those things. All right. So how do we store up treasure in heaven? So how do we focus more on the eternal than the temporary? The Bible tells us. Say, the Bible tells me so. Some of you know the song. Some of you don't. All right. So if you go to the New Testament and you just read through it, you're going to see lots and lots of times where Jesus is teaching people and he says, the kingdom of God is like, or the kingdom of heaven is like, dot, dot, dot. And then he goes on to tell us. So I can't focus on all those things. So we're just going to focus on one chapter. So I'm going to go through just real quickly, um, Matthew 25. So again, if you want to just write this down, this can be your Bible study of the week, Matthew 25. Um, there's lots of translations out there. The one that I read the most is the New King James Version, um, but I also like the Passion Translation because it makes it really simple to read and understand. So, um, And if you don't agree with me and you think that another translation is awesome, awesome. Go for it. Read your translation. Um, Okay, but Matthew 25, there's a parable. Do you know what a parable is a story? It's a story with a, usually a lot of metaphors. Okay, so there's a parable, um, and it's called the parable of the ten virgins. And this story is about ten maidens who are waiting for a bridegroom to come. So um, they are waiting, and back then they did not have electricity, just putting us in where they are. Okay, so they had lamps, and they had to keep oil in their lamps to keep them burning. So there's 10 maidens, and they're waiting for the bridegroom to come. And there were five of those maidens who always stayed alert. They were always ready for the bridegroom to come. So they always made sure that their lamps were burning, and they always made sure that they had enough oil to fill their lamps. And then there were five of them who um, grew lax. The Bible says they, were, they went to sleep. They were just, you know, I think they were probably, you know, excited for the bridegroom to come. But their focus just wasn't always there. They let other things take precedence. They were tired, right? So they let their oil run low. And then the Bible says that the bridegroom was on his way. And so they're all getting ready, and they're all, you know, gathering up their things. And, they, and then they realize, five of them realize that they're ready to go. They've been waiting for this. Their eyes have been on that road, waiting for the bridegroom to come. And then five of them go, oh, wait, we're out of oil, and they, they said, and then it, it goes on and it says, there's not time. There's not time to go refill your lamp. And so five of them 
get to go with the bridegroom and five of them don't. And what's the point that I'm trying to make? There are other points in this parable, but the point that I'm trying to make in this parable today is that um, we store up our treasure in heaven. We keep our eyes on him. That's it. We have to keep our eyes on him. We have to always be ready for him. And now I believe Jesus is going to return one day, right? But guess what? And Pastor Steve preached a message on this. We can look for his appearing every day, not just his appearing on the earth, like physically, but we can keep our eyes on him and be ready for that dove, be ready for the, for the appearing of his presence every single day. That's how we keep our lamp burning. That's how we keep our oil stored up. But it has to be a practice. Just like in the natural, if you don't go to the grocery store, you're going to run out of food, right? Well, if you don't keep your practice of refilling, of focusing on him, of keeping that oil stored up, of keeping your lamp burning, your heart burning, it will run dry. It does run out. It has to be a practice. It has to be something that we continually do to keep our eyes on him, to keep our eyes focused on his appearing. So that's something that we have to do. That's how we store up treasures in heaven is we're always looking for him. He remains the thing that matters the most. I, I love this thought um, that God is not a category. And sometimes we say, okay, I have my family and I have my job and I have my friends and I have my hobbies and then I have church and then I have God. But guess what? He's not a category. He has to be in all of it. Everything that we're doing, we have to keep him involved. So he has to always have our focus and have our attention. And I promise you, he will not steal all your fun. That's a lie that the media or other people want to tell you, is that if your eyes are on God, your life is boring. The world represents us poorly sometimes as Christians. He won't steal your fun. You can have a lot of fun with him. All right. So if we keep going in Matthew 25... And the second parable, the second story that it talks about is the parable of the talents. Talents in this instance, in this language, are money. Say money. All right. So this story is about um, a landowner who uh, was leaving on a long journey, and he left his servants some money to um, use while he was gone, to, to steward while he was gone. So he gave to one servant five talents, and to one servant two talents, and to one servant one talent. Okay, and so the servant with five talents, they, they put it to use. And they went, and I don't know what all they did. They, they invested it, they put it to use, and they ended up multiplying those five talents. And so now he had ten. Okay, the same with the servant who had two talents. The, ser- the servant used it, he put it to work, and he ended up making double. So he had four talents. The servant who only had one talent, he was afraid of what was going to happen. And so he buried the talent in the ground and just to keep it safe, right? He was storing his treasure in the temporary. So then the master comes back and he says, okay, show me what you've done with what you were given. And, um, and so the one with five talents says, I, I multiplied, I, I have 10 talents. And the master says, well done, and then the same with the one with two talents. He says, well done. And then he goes to the servant who, who buried his talent in the ground. And the master says, he calls him a wicked and lazy servant and rebuked him for not using what he had been given to use. 
So what is the point of this? The point is that we have to use what we've been given. Because sometimes we care so much about this temporary life that we stockpile it all for us. And our whole focus is on where I'm going, my goals, what I can achieve, what I can um, obtain, all of those things. And we keep it for us. But if we don't actually use it to create more of what we've been given in the world... We don't like to use these words, but he says, you're a wicked and lazy servant, and he rebuked them. I'm not calling anybody wicked and lazy. Jesus used these words in the Bible, but um, what? They're in red. Jesus used them, yep. But the point is, we have to use what we've been given. Like I said in the beginning, you are a gift, and you have a gift to give to the world. So we have to use what we've been given. That's how we store up our treasures in heaven. It's not just, um, not ju- and you know what? Sometimes we make things real complicated in religion and we spend our lives looking for big, obscure sounding words like our purpose and our calling and our destiny. It's not wrong to do those things. But sometimes it's like, I have to find my purpose and then I'll know what I can do. But guess what? I'm gonna make it really, really simple. Your purpose on this earth is to use what God has given you. So at the end, we're going to talk about what God's given us, right? Supernatural things, like not supernatural, very natural things, right? Very, very practical things that God has put on the inside of you. Skills, talents, abilities, things that you've trained for and you've learned how to do. God has put those things in your hands. And when you use it, it is an act of worship, to him. You're actually creating the kingdom culture on the earth just by, just by using what he's put inside of your hands. So, um, okay. I have to move fast because I'm out of time. All right. The third thing, the third parable, I'm just going to skim through it really fast. The third story that Jesus tells in Matthew 25 is it says that um, at the, the end, the Son of Man is going to return and he's going to divide the nations of the world and he's going to put um, some nations on his right and some nations on his left um, based upon what they've done. And he's going to say, he's going to say, to the one group, he's going to say, for when you saw me hungry, you fed me. When you found me thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I had no place to stay, you invited me in. And when I was poorly clothed, you covered me. When I was sick, you tenderly cared for me. And when I was in prison, you visited me. And then the godly will answer him. This group's going to answer him and say, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or give you food or something to drink? When did we see you with no place to stay and invite you in? When did we see you poorly clothed and cover you? When did we see you sick and tenderly care for you or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them and say, don't you know when you cared for one of the least important of these, my little ones, my true brothers and sisters, you demonstrated love for me. And then he goes on to the other group of people and he says, um, I was naked and you didn't cover me. I was hungry and you didn't feed me. I had no place to go and you didn't, um, you didn't provide for me. And they're going to say, when did this happen? And he says, when you've done this to the least of them, you've done them to me. And so um, what is the point of this that I'm trying to make today is that we were created to serve others. So again, when our treasures are in heaven, when our perspective is on heaven, it is much less about me, 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 and a lot more about how can I serve this world that I was given to? How can I serve the people around me? 
And this doesn't have to be, again, you don't have to give your life as a missionary to a third world nation. If God's calling you to, do it. But just love the people that are around you, and you're loving him. You're, it's an act of worship. It's treasures that you're storing up in heaven. All right. So just to summarize very quickly, I know this is a lot, guys. But to summarize, we want to store up our treasures in heaven. There are things on this earth that matter, but they only matter for a little while. Eternity is a far more worthy focus. Number two, keep your eyes fixed on him. Don't get distracted by the things of the world. He is so much better. Number three, use what is in your hands, which we're going to talk about in a few minutes. And lastly, we live to serve. We are made to be givers and not takers. Jesus loved and died for a world, and we are called to love and to serve them. What we do for the least of these, we also do for him. So could you close your eyes for a moment? just want to pray for you. Father, I thank you that when you made us in your image and your likeness, you assigned us to be co-creators with you on the earth. You wired inside of each one of us a unique design that when partnered with your spirit can create whole worlds of peace, whole worlds of grace, of love, of hope. You are for every single one of us. God, you love us. You are for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.